Lesson number 45, Surah Ali Imran, ayah number 64 to 77. Qul ya Say, O people of the book, ta'alaw, come, ila kalimatin, to a word, sawa'im baynana wa baynakum. That is equal between us and you. Come to equal terms with us. Come and believe in that which we believe in. And this is something that you believe in too. Come and be similar to us. And what is that kalima that you believe in and we believe in too? Allah na'buda illallah. That we should not worship anyone besides Allah. وَلَا نُشْرِكَ بِهِ شَيْئًا And that we do not associate any partner with him. Moreover, وَلَا يَتَّخِذَ بَعْضُنَا بَعْضًا أَرْبَابًا مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ That some of us should not take others as lords besides Allah. Meaning we should not worship other human beings. فَإِن تَوَلَّوْا Then if they turn away, فَقُولُوا شَهَدُوا بِأَنَّا مُسْلِمُونَ Then say, bear witness that indeed we are Muslim. The Prophet ﷺ is being addressed. قُلْ Say this. Say this to who? To the people of the book. The Prophet ﷺ was to deliver the entire Qur'an. Every verse that was revealed to him, he was obligated to convey it. But when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to him in the Qur'an, قُلْ Say this, declare this, then it shows us, it tells us about the importance of the message that is given. Because he was to convey everything. But if he is told, convey this, then it shows that the message is being emphasized. So, O Prophet ﷺ say, Ya Ahl al-Kitab, O people of the book. And who are the people of the book? The Jews and the Christians. Tell them, Ta'alaw, come. Meaning, all of you come. And Ta'al is to call someone to an important purpose. So all of you come ila kalimatin to a word. Kalima is from the root letters kaf, la, meme, and the word kalima is used for a word and also a sentence, a statement that comprises many words. Just as kalima shahada. What is kalima shahada? La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. In fact, before that is ashhadu, right? Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadur Rasulullah. So it's kalima shahada. Kalima means a word. But the entire statement is also called kalima. So come to a kalima that is sawa baynana wa baynakum. That is equal and same between us and you. Meaning this is something that is common between us and you. Believe in that which is common between us and you. Yes, there are many differences between us. However, there are also some similarities. There is also some things that we agree on. All of us agree on that. Despite the fact that you may have a different religion than mine. But there is something that is common between us. So come to that. Come and believe in that. Make that your main belief. And once that becomes your main belief, then everything will become straight after that. And what is that which is common between us and you? Sawa baynana wa baynakum. Allah na'buda illallah. That we should not worship anyone but Allah. You already know that the only God is Allah. If you say that Isa is the son of Allah, before he came, did people not worship Allah? Did people not worship God? 
Who did they worship? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you already believe that He is God, He is the Creator. The Jews also, they already believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is God. So when you believe that He alone is the Creator, then you should believe that He alone deserves worship. And if that is the case, then we should not worship anyone but Allah. Allah na'buda illallah. Isa salam brought the same message. He said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ رَبِّي وَرَبُّكُمْ Indeed, Allah is my Lord and also your Lord. فَعْبُدُوهُ Worship Him. Musa salam also, what message did he bring? What did he call the people to? To the worship of Allah alone. So you already believe in this. So let's do this together. That Allah na'buda illallah. That we do not worship anyone but Allah. وَلَا نُشْرِكَ بِهِ شَيْئًا And we do not associate any partner with him. Because if he alone is the creator, if he alone was worshipped before Isa salam, that means even after Isa salam, he alone should be worshipped. He alone deserves worship. So we should not associate any partner with him. Whether it is a human being, or it is a mountain, or an angel, a man, a woman, a prophet, whoever, we should not associate anyone with him. The Jews, they committed a kind of shit. The Christians, even they committed a kind of shit. So this is why, call them to Tawheed. That we worship only Allah, and at the same time, we do not associate any partners with him. Both these things are necessary. Worshipping Allah, this is not sufficient. A person has to negate, a person has to reject all false gods. Because it is a yaka na'budu. You alone we worship. Because if a person commits shirk, if a person turns to other than Allah, then all his good deeds are wasted. Allah does not accept such good deeds. Because Allah is above the need of having any partners. If a person does a good deed for Allah and for other than Allah, then Allah does not accept such deeds. So, وَلَا نُشْرِكَ بِهِ شَيْئًا We do not associate any partners with Allah. The status that Allah has should not be given to anyone else. Moreover, وَلَا يَتَّخِذَ And he should not take who? بَعْضُنَا Some of us, meaning human beings. Some of us should not take بَعْضًا Others as أَوْبَابًا Lords. مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ Besides Allah. Meaning, we people should not take other people as lords besides Allah. Our one and only Lord is who? Allah. So we should not ascribe divinity to other human beings. We should not give them the status that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has. Arbab is the plural of Rabb. And who is Rabb? Khaliq, Malik, Mudabbir. And the one who is Khaliq, Malik, Mudabbir, the one who is creator, owner, planner, he is the one who deserves worship too. Correct? So Rububiyyah necessitates Uluhiyyah. Rububiyyah, Allah is Lord, that means He is the only one deserving of worship as well. So over here it is said that we should not make others Lord. We should not make human beings our Lords. How could a person make a human being his Lord? How? When he gives him the same status as that of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When he, for example, prostrates to him. When he does sajda to him. When he, for example, prays to him. 
When he, for instance, begs him to forgive him, asks him to clean him of his sin. When a person goes and confesses before another human being that I have committed such and such sin, you know, clean me, cleanse me, whatever. This is what? Making that human being Lord. Likewise, if a human being says, this is right and this is wrong. This is halal and this is haram. And if we accept it as is, without even thinking, if it is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has declared halal and haram, if we accept it as is, then this is also taking others as lords besides Allah. Because who deserves worship alone? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And who alone has the right to judge and decide what is halal and haram? Who alone has that right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if people are making such decisions, this is halal, this is haram, they're changing the commands of Allah, they're changing the laws of Allah, and if we accept it, then we're taking them as lords besides Allah. So this is why, وَلَا يَتَّخِذَ بَعْضُنَا بَعْضًا أَرْبَابًا مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ Let's not prostrate to other human beings. Let's not obey them in disobedience to Allah. Let's not ask them for forgiveness for our sins that we commit against Allah. Yes, if you've done a wrong to a human being, you will apologize to them, you will ask them to forgive you. But if you've committed a sin that only Allah can forgive, then you cannot ask a human being to forgive you. A human being cannot clean you of your sin. He cannot grant you repentance. So, وَلَا يَتَّخِذَ بَعْضُنَا بَعْضًا أَرْبَابًا مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ The Christians, they had such beliefs about Isa a.s. The Jews also gave such, you can say, high status to their scholars and their rabbis, their instructors. In Surah At-Tawbah, Ayah 31, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, اِتَّخَذُوا أَحْبَارَهُمْ وَرُهْبَانَهُمْ أَرْبَابًا مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ They have taken their scholars and their monks as lords besides Allah. How have they taken them as lords besides Allah? That if their scholar says, do this, they will do it, even if Allah has forbidden it. If their scholars said, don't do that, they wouldn't do it, even if Allah made that permissible. And this is how, basically, their religion got corrupted. So, they took their scholars, their monks, as lords besides Allah, and this is a kind of shirk. This is a kind of shirk. And what do we learn from this? A very important lesson. That where the command of Allah comes, we cannot obey another in disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Many times it happens that we know very clearly about what Allah has commanded. Or we know very clearly about what Allah has forbidden. But if a human being tells us to do otherwise, and we do it just because they are older than us, just because they are stronger than us, just because we cannot say no to them, this is not something that's right. This is actually a kind of shirk. It's called shirk fil hukm. Doing shirk in hukum, in the matter of hukum. Because only Allah can legislate. And if we are accepting the legislation of others, which contradicts the legislation of Allah, then this is a kind of shirk. I'm not saying that don't follow any rules. That if there are traffic laws, you say, oh, I cannot follow traffic laws because this is not what Allah has commanded. No. I'm talking about those commands which contradict the commands of Allah. That law that contradicts the law of Allah. That legislation that contradicts the legislation of Allah. That is something that we cannot do. 
If we do that, then that is a kind of shirk. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells His Prophet to call the Ahlul Kitab that وَلَا يَتَّخِذَ بَعْضُنَا بَعْضًا أَرْبَابًا مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ فَإِن تَوَلَّوا Then if they turn away, they say no. Sorry, we're not going to accept. We are fine the way we are. فَإِن تَوَلَّوا فَقُولُوا Then you say to them that اشهدوا, bear witness. بِأَنَّا مُسْلِمُونَ That indeed we are Muslim. That indeed we submit to Allah alone. We don't submit to other human beings. We don't submit to other gods. No, we only submit to Allah. بِأَنَّا مُسْلِمُونَ Listen to the recitation. قُلْ يَا أَهْلَ الْكِتَابِ تَعَالَوْا إِلَىٰ كَلِمَةٍ سَوَاءٍ بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَكُمْ أَلَّا نَعْبُدَ إِلَّا اللَّهَ أَلَّا نَعْبُدَ إِلَّا اللَّهَ وَلَا نُشْرِكَ بِهِ شَيْئًا وَلَا يَتَّخِذَ بَعْضُنَا بَعْضًا أَرْبَابًا مِنْ we see in this ayah that the Prophet ﷺ is being commanded to give da'wah. To who? To give da'wah to who? To call who? Ahlul Kitab. People of the book. And it shows that we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't do da'wah to the people of the book. Yeah? We should also do the same. If the Prophet ﷺ has been asked to call the people of the book to the worship of Allah alone, then we are obligated to do the same. It doesn't mean that we have to force them. It means that we have to ask them at least. I've heard stories of people who when they became Muslim, they said, I never accepted Islam before because nobody asked me. Nobody asked me. Nobody even you know, bothered to tell me. Nobody offered me. Nobody informed me. So if we don't inform, then we are guilty. The Prophet ﷺ was told to call. And did he comply by this command? Yes, he did. He called the people of the book to the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. So much so that he even sent letters to the kings of the empires of that time. Amongst them was the Roman king to whom the Prophet ﷺ sent a letter to. Sometimes it takes just a minute. Sometimes it takes just one conversation. And that can be the turning point for an individual. She's mentioning about a German man who when he accepted Islam, he cried so much. He said, you didn't tell me about Islam before. My parents have passed away. If you had come earlier, I would have known earlier and perhaps they could have become Muslim too. So the Prophet ﷺ, he was given this command, that means we have to do the same. And he complied by this command, he called people, he called the Ahlul Kitab to the worship of Allah alone. He sent a letter to the Hiraqal in Rome and he used this very ayah. He had this very verse written in the letter, calling the people of the book to the worship of Allah alone. Another important lesson we learned here is that despite the differences with others, Despite the fact that they are different, still we are told, call them to the truth. Call them to the haqq. Just because they are different, don't abandon them, don't leave them. If we have been told to call Ahlul Kitab to the haqq, then Ahlul Qibla, the people of the same Qibla, meaning the Muslims, are we not required to call them to the better ways, 
Are we not required to do that? But what do we do? We say, oh, they're of this group. They belong to this sect. They belong to so-and-so masjid. They listen to so-and-so scholar. They're not like us. They're different. So leave them. Ignore them. Don't have anything to do with them. And we abandon others just because they are different from us. But is that what we have been taught? No. We have been taught to call them to the truth. And you cannot call others to the truth until you speak to them, until you get to know them, until you communicate with them. So the first step is establish communication. And then you can call them to the haqq. And if you don't do that, then you're actually harming others. Another important lesson we learned in this ayah is about the way of doing da'wah. The beautiful way of calling people to Allah. What is that way? That first of all, speak to the people on their level. Stay on common grounds. Talk to them about things that they can understand, that they can relate with. And the things that are beyond their understanding, things that they cannot comprehend, that they cannot relate with, leave those things. The Ahlul Kitab are called to what? Kalima, that is sawa baynana wa baynakum. Could they understand worshipping Allah alone? Yes. Could they understand the concepts that are mentioned here? Yes. So start with these things. Secondly, we learn that when doing darwa, when calling a person to the worship of Allah, don't start by talking about matters that are prone to causing dispute, that are prone to causing arguments. Typically, what do people do? Rather, what do we do? We start with controversial issues. You know, by the way, Islam is true because, you know, in Islam, a man is allowed to marry four wives and, you know, these are the benefits, blah, 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 blah. I mean, what does that have to do with the person? And isn't this going to cause arguments and disputes? Why are you trying to prove the authenticity of Islam by proving that marrying four wives is okay? Like, seriously, what's the connection here? What's the relationship? There's no relationship. So don't talk about controversial issues. Talk about similarities. And that's the third thing that I was going to mention. That start with, initiate the conversation with matters that create an understanding. Talk about common things first. Don't start with differences or controversial issues, but rather start with common things. So over here, what's the etiquette that we have been taught? Call them, إِلَىٰ كَلِمَةٍ سَوَىٰ بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَكُمْ What's the benefit? That when you call someone in this way, that you start talking about things that are common, what happens? How does the other feel? Okay, that, you know, he feels that you are friendly, he feels that he's actually able to talk to you, he can relate with you, right? So for example, if there is a family friend of yours and they say that, you know, Beta, you know, my daughter, she doesn't pray, so please talk to her so that she also starts praying. Because she sees you wearing hijab. That's the only reason why she tells you. Does it ever happen with you? Or are you the one you know, who's being targeted? Right? It happens, right? So what should you talk about? You know, there's a class coming up this weekend, you should come there. They're going to be like, no way, I'm not coming to any class. There are going to be strange people over there covered head to toe. I'm not going there. Start with what? Common things. So what school do you go to? What do you study? You know, start with things so that they can feel that, yeah, you're also a normal human being. You're not from planet X. They can relate with you. They can understand that, yes, you are a normal human being who has fun, 
who knows about fashion, who knows about where to eat and where not to eat, you know, things like that, so that the other person can relate with you, can feel comfortable with you. Once they feel that they can relate with you, then they can move on from there with you. But if you start with things that they are turned off from, then what's going to happen? They're never going to approach you. They're going to become defensive from the very beginning. They're going to feel they don't fit. Isn't that so? So always, always talk to the other person about those matters that they can relate with. But remember that in this process, do we forget the truth? Oh, it's not important to pray. Don't think about that. Well, you don't have to wear hijab. Who said you have to wear hijab? It's okay. You know, it's just a, a symbol of modesty. So if you like to wear, you can wear. If you don't want to, you don't have to. Is this what we should say? No. Because this is a big mistake that we make. In trying to make the other person comfortable, we water down the truth or we compromise on the truth or we change it. This is not the correct way. Yes, similarities should be spoken of, but differences should not be forgotten either. It just means that you have to start with the similarities before the differences, so that the other person can understand. Then another important thing we learn in this ayah is that all of the prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they brought the same message because the Ahlul Kitab, they were already familiar with the concept of worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If they were familiar with that concept, that means Musa salam brought that message. That means Isa salam brought that message as well. Then we also learn in this ayah that Allah alone has a right to legislate. He alone has a right to command orders of the people. Meaning He is the lawmaker and people do not have that authority. So, if anyone tells us to disobey Allah, whether it is our parents or it is our elders, then what do we have to do over there? We cannot obey those people. Doesn't mean that we start being disrespectful and we start arguing and debating and good manners. Is that how we should behave? Not at all. You know, you can disagree with someone, but in a respectful way. Isn't that so? You can agree to disagree, right? But that element of respect should not be forgotten. If you see in this ayah, there's so much respect, right? Allah na'buda illallah. There's so much respect in the way that the Ahlul Kitab are being called. The scholars have said that when the Prophet ﷺ, when he sent the letter to the Hiraqul, he didn't have the ayah written down as, Ya Ahlul Kitab, ta'alaw. No, he had the entire ayah written down beginning from Qul. I remember when I read that hadith, I couldn't understand why Qul was said. Because it's irrelevant over there. He could have just called them himself, Ya Ahlul Kitab. But when he said qul, meaning this command has come to me from Allah, it showed humility on his part. It showed humility on the part of the Prophet ﷺ as well. That yes, I'm calling you to the worship of Allah, but that doesn't mean that someone who's very great or I think of myself as very mighty. No, there's humility on his part. So likewise, when we might be disagreeing with someone, we might be having a discussion with someone, Please, please don't forget respect. Especially if they're your elders, they're your parents, they're your relatives. Do not forget this element. We think respect means listen to them or compromise. No, respect means you speak nicely, but you can disagree. You can speak your beliefs as well. Then another important lesson we learn is that a person should be confident about his deen. 
Because sometimes it happens that you're calling someone, you're asking them, and they're not listening. And then you're like, oh, maybe I'm wrong. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَإِن تَوَلَّوْا فَقُولُوا إِشْهَدُوا بِأَنَّا مُسْلِمُونَ Be confident. Say that you bear witness, we are Muslim. I'm not confused. I'm not in doubt. I'm not going to change. I am a Muslim. So be confident about your faith. Ya ahl al-kitab, O people of the book. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala directly addresses the people of the book. And He says, لِمَ تُحَاجُونَ فِي إِبْرَاهِيمِ Why do you argue about Ibrahim? Meaning about his religion. The people of the book, the Jews and the Christians, they considered themselves to be the followers of Ibrahim a.s. Is that so? No? Don't they say that they're of the Abrahamic faiths? Right? That Ibrahim a.s. they look up to him. Right? They believe that he was a monotheist, they are monotheists. You know, they are in his footsteps. They look up to him, they show great respect to him. And a particular incident happened when the Christians of Najran had come to visit the Prophet ﷺ. The Jews of Medina also came. Okay, so you're talking about Jews and Christians and Muslims, a very interfaith event. Okay, So what happened was that an argument ensued from there. The Jews said, we are the followers of Ibrahim ﷺ. The Christians said that, no, we are the followers of Ibrahim ﷺ. You are wrong and we are right. So each group was basically negating the other. So Allah revealed these verses that, Ya Ahl Al-Kitab, لِمَ تُحَاجُّونَ فِي إِبْرَاهِيمِ Why do you argue about the religion of Ibrahim? وَمَا أُنزِلَتِ التَّوْرَاتُ Whereas it was not revealed. What was not revealed? التَّوْرَةِ وَالْإِنْجِيلِ إِلَّا مِنْ بَعْدِهِ The Torah and the Injil were not revealed except much after him. Ibrahim a.s. Many, many years after him came Musa a.s. who brought the Torah. And many, many years after him came who? Isa a.s. who brought the Injil. Now the Jews, they were followers of the Torah. The Christians, they were followers of Injil. And both, they claimed that we are the followers of Ibrahim a.s. Allah says, why do you say that? You are followers of Torah, you are followers of Injil, and both of these books were revealed much after him. Do you not understand? Do you not reason? What are you saying? What kind of falsehood are you claiming? So the dispute that they had about the deen of Ibrahim was that they were on the deen of Ibrahim, so they were his followers, they were on his creed, or that Ibrahim was on their creed. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refutes them saying, that this is not the case. You are not actually the followers of Ibrahim. You are followers of Torah and Injil, which you have corrupted. Ibrahim, he had a different religion. And what was that? Of worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Now, for example, the Christians, what do they believe? That you have to believe that the Son of God got crucified for your sake, He died for your sins. And when you believe in that, then you'll go to heaven. Right? When you believe in that, then you'll go to heaven. Okay, if this is the truth, then Ibrahim, how can he be successful? Because Isa al-Islam came much after him. If he did not know Isa, if he did not believe in him, if he did not believe in the fact that he died for his sins, I mean, how, it doesn't make sense, right? It doesn't make sense. So Ibrahim al-Islam was not on your religion, you are not on the religion of Ibrahim. You are not. So, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَفَلَا تَعْقِلُونَ Do you not understand? هَا أَنْتُمْ Here you are. هَا is a word for exclamation. It's a letter that is used for exclamation. 
And when do you have to use exclamation? When? When you're emphasizing, when you're calling a person who is ghafil. So, afala ta'akhilun, you're not using your aql, you are heedless. So, ha antum, here you are. Ha'ula'i, you are those people who, ha'jajdum, you are arguing, fima lakum bihi ilm, concerning that which you have some knowledge. Here you are arguing about something of which you have a little bit of knowledge. What does it mean by this? Meaning, you argue about those things which you know. Meaning, you have seen yourself. Still you don't accept it. You still argue about it. And what is this referring to? For example, the Prophet ﷺ. You have seen him yourself, you recognize the signs, yet you argue about him. Likewise, Musa Isa you know them from your books, but still you argue about them. You have some knowledge of this matter, and yet you argue. فَلِمَا then why تُحَاجُّونَ Do you argue fima concerning that which لَيْسَ لَكُمْ Concerning that which you have no knowledge of. وَاللَّهُ يَعْلَمُ And Allah knows. وَأَنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ And you do not know. Meaning, there are some things that you know of, and there are other things that you do not know of. You argue so much, you reject the truth so much that even the matters that you know of, you argue concerning that. You don't accept the truth as is. You are in confusion concerning it. And if you think about it amongst the Christians themselves, there are so many different views about the matter of Isa So many different beliefs concerning him. So there you are arguing about something that you have knowledge of. Okay. But why do you argue about something which you have no knowledge of? And who is that? The matter of Ibrahim you know, if someone has knowledge about something and they're arguing about it, their argument has some kind of basis. Okay, you will listen to it. But if someone has no idea about what they're talking about, and there they are arguing as if they are the experts of that field, they're making a fool of themselves. Aren't they? So for example, if there is some old lady and they're saying they don't know anything about medicine and they're telling you that you are sick because you ate that, or you know, you have some kind of disease or you know people give their theories all the time right and the most ridiculous theories sometimes and you're like what are you saying i don't understand what you're saying so it's completely illogical it doesn't make any sense at all now if they have some kind of knowledge about medicine then will you at least pay attention to what they're saying yes you will you know recently somebody i know had a severe allergic reaction. They had an anaphylactic attack. So basically they were almost choking. Their face turned blue. They had rash all over their face and their neck. And they were wheezing so much that they couldn't even talk properly. And there was a person there. They were saying, just give them tea. I was like, you got to be kidding. Give them tea and they'll be fine. You know when somebody is having an anaphylactic attack, they say, do not, do not eat or drink anything. And they're saying, give them tea. Now, would you give any importance to the suggestion of a person? And if they start arguing with you that, no, this is just cold, and this is just this, will you give any importance to their argument? No. Why? Because it's based on ignorance. You're not going to give any importance to that. So likewise over here, Allah tells them that you have no knowledge about the matter of Ibrahim a.s. Why are you arguing about him? Why do you say that he is of your religion or you are his follower? He's not from your religion and you are not his followers. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about the reality of Ibrahim alayhi salam. That ma kana Ibrahim yahudiyan wala nasraniyan. Ibrahim alayhi salam, he was neither a Jewish nor was he a Christian. He was not on your millah. He was not minkum. He was not of your creed. Nor was he like you in holding on to something even though it was false. Nor was he like you that he would not accept what Allah had revealed. No. وَلَكِنْ كَانَ حَنِيفًا Rather he was Hanif. Musliman. A Muslim. وَمَا كَانَ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ And he was not of those who do shirk. Three qualities of Ibrahim are mentioned over here. First of all, he was Hanif. Hanif is a true monotheist. From Hanafa. Hanunfa. And Hanafa is male. To lean on to one side. So it's basically to lean on to one side and then remain firm on it. So if anything wrong comes his way, he avoids it. You know, he leans away from it. If there is anything wrong coming his way, what does he do? He avoids it. So, Hanif is who? Ma'ilan anish shirk. The one who inclines away from shirk. Any shirk that comes his way, he goes off to the side. He's like, no, I don't want to have anything to do with this. Hanif. And in pre-Islamic times, the Hanif was a person who left idolatry, who left all kinds of shirk, and who stayed firm on the worship of Allah alone. So a true monotheist. And he was a Muslim. Who is Muslim? The one who surrenders to Allah. The one who remains firm on Tawheed. Because he submits only to Allah. So he was Hanif, ma'il an shirk and he was Muslim, musbit lit-Tawheed. And who is Muslim? The one who surrenders to Allah in his zahir and his batin. In his zahir, on the outward, he is obedient to Allah. So he obeys Allah with his limbs, with his actions, physical actions. And in the batin, on the inside, how is he Muslim? That he is sincere right? to Allah. He fears Allah alone. He loves Allah. So he has a right belief. He does the right actions of the heart as well, submitting to Allah alone. So Ibrahim was Hanif Muslim. وَمَا كَانَ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ And he was not of those who do shirk. So if Ibrahim was alive today, what would he do? If he was Hanif, Muslim, وَمَا كَانَ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ If he was alive today, what would he do? Accept the truth or not? He would accept the truth. He would not be like you, O Yahud and Nasara, who see the truth, who recognize the truth, yet your ego does not let you accept it. Your bias does not let you accept it. Ibrahim was different. If he were alive today, he would have certainly followed Muhammad wasallam. And if you claim that the only way of being successful is being Jewish or Christian, then Ibrahim would not be successful in your terms. If the only way of entry into heaven is based on the belief that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, then Ibrahim would not be of those who are successful then. So, وَمَا كَانَ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ He was Muslim. He was one who surrendered to Allah. He did not do shirk. And وَمَا كَانَ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ This part of the ayah further explains the meaning of Hanif and emphasizes that Ibrahim was far away from any kind of shirk. Whether it is shirk fil hukum or shirk fil ibadah. He was far from shirk. He didn't obey others in disobedience to Allah. Unlike you. He didn't prostrate to others. Right? Unlike you. Who prostrate to others. So, وَمَا كَانَ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ Now what do we see in these verses? That Ibrahim has departed from the world. Thousands of years have gone. People are disputing about him. But who defends him? 
Who defends him? Allah defends him. Allah defends him. Because in Allah يُدَافِعُ عَنِ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Allah defends those people who believe. So when a person becomes a friend of Allah, then Allah will defend him. This also teaches another important thing, which is that if someone is being wrongly accused of something in their absence, and we know about the truth, then what is our responsibility? That we should defend them. We should stand up and speak for them. Ibrahim was not there to tell them that no, I'm not Jewish, I'm not Christian, you know, I don't have such pride that prevents me from accepting the truth. No, he wasn't there. But who defended him? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Likewise, if someone is being accused wrongly in our presence, then we should stand up. Then Allah says, Inna Ibrahim. Indeed, the most worthy of people, awla is from Wawlamiya, Wilaya is friendship. So the most worthy, the nearest, the closest of all people to Ibrahim, meaning people who are most deserving of saying that they are the followers of Ibrahim, are who? لَلَّذِينَ تَبَعُوهُ Are those people who follow him. Whether it was those who followed him at his time, or who followed him after his death, whoever follows Ibrahim salam, whoever is on the way of Ibrahim salam, he has the right to say that he is a follower of Ibrahim. He is on the religion of Ibrahim salam. And how can we follow Ibrahim salam? By being Hanif, by being Muslim. مَا كَانَ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ وَهَذَا النَّبِي And this Prophet, meaning this Prophet Muhammad wasallam, he is the one who deserves to say that he is a follower of Ibrahim. Why? Because he was told to follow the creed of Ibrahim wasallam. وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا And those people who believe. Believe in who? In Muhammad wasallam. وَاللَّهُ وَلِيُّ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ And Allah is the wali. He is the friend of the believers. Meaning he is their helper. He is their protector. What does it mean by this? That Allah is the friend of all believers whenever they lived on the earth. Whether it is Ibrahim or Musa or Isa or Muhammad after him, all people who believe al-mu'mineen, then who is their friend? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah amanu. Allah is the wali of those people who believe. And when Allah is their wali, when Allah is their friend, then He guides them to the best way. And He prevents them from ways of misguidance. And the more strong the iman of a person, the closer a friend he is to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And how can a person attain this level of friendship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? First of all, with iman. And secondly, by doing what? Ibrahim salam did. Because believers are mentioned over here. And who is being praised in these verses? Ibrahim salam. So we have to do what he did if we want to be of the friends of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what did he do? What was the main thing he did? Submission. إِذْ قَالَ لَهُ رَبُّهُ أَسْلِمْ قَالَ أَسْلَمْتُ لِرَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ He said, I have submitted to the Lord of the worlds. In a hadith we learn that whoever loves for the sake of Allah and hates for the sake of Allah and befriends for the sake of Allah and shows enmity for the sake of Allah would get Allah's friendship. فَإِنَّمَا تَنَالُ وِلَايَةَ اللَّهِ بِذَلِكَ he will get the friendship of Allah. So if you think about it, in all of these verses, what's the message? 
that Allah is your God. He is your top priority. You have to obey Him. Your ego should not prevent it. Your relatives, your friends, your elders, they should not prevent you from going to Allah. You give Him most importance and Allah will befriend you. And when Allah will befriend you, then everything will be fine. So the dispute that the Ahlul Kitab had concerning Ibrahim salam, that is resolved over here. That Ibrahim salam, was not on the way of the Jews and the Christians, rather he was in the way of the Wahid. And that is a lesson for all of us. Because that is the way to success. Listen to the recitation. يا أهل الكتاب لم تحاجون في إبراهيم وما أنزلت التوراة والإنجيل إلا من بعده أفلا تعتلون ها أنتم ها جَجْتُمْ فِي مَا لَكُمْ بِهِ عِلْمٌ فَلِمَ تُحَاجُّونَ فِي مَا لَيْسَ لَكُمْ بِهِ عِلْمٌ وَاللَّهُ يَعْلَمُ وَأَنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ مَا كَانَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ يَهُودِيًّا وَلَا نَصْرَانِيًّا وَلَكِنْ كَانَ حَنِيفًا مُسْلِمًا وَمَا كَانَ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ إِنَّ أَوْلَى النَّاسِ بِإِبْرَاهِيمَ لَلَّذِينَ اتَّبَعُوهُ وَهَذَا النَّبِيُّ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَاللَّهُ وَلِيُّ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ